It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into last year's NBA draft by recapping what we thought about Josh Giddy this time a year ago and Trey Mann, and then dive into the Final Four and preview the 2022 draft class and how the season will end for the Thunder and what place they might fall on tankathon.com with our good friend Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Let's get into the show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to look back on our 2021 NBA draft profiles for Josh Giddy and Trey Mann with our draft expert, Richard Stamen, as well as talk about the future of the Thunder this season and where they might fall in these last six games or so on the Tankathon standings. But Richard, another week. We're doing it a bit later this week than normal, but it's better late than never. Glad to have you back again for some more draft talk. Yeah, it's good to be back. I even uh, I don't know how I made it back after you threw me under the bus for my statements about Teo Maladon uh, from the last time I was on here. So I'll be careful what I say because uh, you have a, a good track record of throwing me under the bus. I think if you go back and listen, I've said that phrase that that i've said richard stamen says that tim allen's the worst player in the nba i think i've said that every podcast since you said that including yesterday so you can go back and listen to that one as well but uh this is real richard is very apologetic about that thunder fans he even brought it up during our uh nba conference call every week on wednesday so he does apologize for uh criticizing tim allen but i do think it was a fair criticism and you're wearing the magic shirt right now so 
you know, this year, the Thunder, the Magic, they're all battling for the worst overall record. The Magic right now control it, but the Thunder are just two and a half games back. If you had to bet right now, where does this all shake out? Do the Thunder stay at four? Do they move up? Do the Magic keep one? Do they move down? What's going to happen here for the final six games? You know, um, all I'm confident in, in is that, I mean, Portland's schedule, I mean, goodness. Uh, they have the craziest tank. They got San Antonio. Then they have like they have them twice. They have them twice this weekend. Oklahoma City uh, on Tuesday. And then they go to New Orleans, Dallas, and then first Utah. They're not winning of the, any of those last three games. That Oklahoma City game, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, will be big. But Portland's going to play a big role in this because of who they play. They've had a crazy tank schedule. They played Houston twice. But Orlando is playing all playoff teams. So I think they're ending the rest of their next five games. Toronto, New York, or sorry, four of the five are playoff. New York, Cleveland, Charlotte, and Miami. None of those are winnable games as long as they're playing the same roster they rolled down the last week and a half. I think that Orlando's locked in at, you know, at the top three at the worst. Uh, probably going to be the, the the best odds to, to get the top overall pick at that number one slot. And I do still think that Thunder are locked into no worse than four because even as Portland can go on this huge run, uh, they're seven and a half games back of Orlando. Uh, the Thunder are two and a half games back of Orlando. But of course, maybe things can change in that regard. I think that the Thunder, though, are pretty secure at four. And we've talked about what that means uh, for this specific draft. And with the Magic leaping into the top three, let's just assume the top three goes Orlando, Houston, Detroit, and then Oklahoma City. Do any of those three teams make a surprise pick to where one of Jabari, Paolo, or Chet is available? Man, if any of them, it's Detroit. Uh, Orlando and Houston are I – mean, I think they could take Ivy. Uh, and I do think there's a very real possibility. It, it really does depend. I think – you know, I thought R.J. Barrett was for sure going number two in 2019. John Morant went up. It, guards always get the benefit of the doubt. And obviously, that was the right play. But guards will always get the benefit of the doubt. I would be very surprised if the consensus top three goes to the top three in the draft. It's going to be one of those teams. It's not Orlando. I would probably say Detroit. I want to do a couple spins here. And you, and as the draft expert that knows this class inside and out, you grade on a scale of 1 to 10 how good or bad uh, these results would be for the Thunder. So our first spin has the Thunder at pick three. So they move up one slot. They have pick three, and then they also have pick 15 from the Clippers and pick 30 from the Suns. Uh, one to 10, what's your ranking for that? It's a solid eight. Uh, it's nothing to like write home about, but if you hit, uh, if I mean, one through three, the odds of hitting that are much higher, obviously, than any of the other picks. But if you hit at least one of 15 and 30, and you're obviously more likely to hit at 15, I think you're getting a pretty good draft there. So I, I think that's a good chance there. Yeah, I go eight and a half here because I, I think that giving Sam Presti the option of one of Chachapari or Paolo is fantastic. And then, of course, whatever you can do with pit 15 and, and 30, uh, you know, that's kind of up in the air still in this draft. Uh, but I think that any result that has, the, that has the Thunder falling in the top three is a great result for the Thunder. But our next spin, oh gosh, our next spin has oh. the Thunder at six. And don't celebrate, Richard, because the oh, Magic no. are at five. Oh, and Detroit's at four okay. and Houston's at three. So every tanking team gets punished. Portland leaps up four spots and the Charlotte Hornets leap up 13 spots and go to the top overall. Pick. In my opinion, having picked six, 15 and 30 for the thunder 
would be a negative five. What, what do you think as somebody who's kind of, again, more in tune with this draft class? Look, I'm not just saying that this because I'm wearing a magic shirt. I'm a magic fan, all of it. And then I'm a frequent guest on this podcast. I'm sorry. I hope to God this is not the year. The 14 jumps. Uh, that is a zero out of 10 for all parties. That is the Adam Silver result. That would just be terrible. And our last spin here. The Thunder stay at four. The Spurs leap up seven. Orlando drops one. Houston drops one. So it's San Antonio, Orlando, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Now, with these surprise teams that leap up for San Antonio, if they get the stroke of luck and San Antonio leaps up seven spots, they're now a team that we don't really discuss much when we talk about Paulo Chet and Jabari Smith, obviously. What would they do at pick one? They have the pick of the entire board. What would they even need? What would they even look for? Would they trade down? Well, first of all, how dare you put a Southwest Division rival into uh, into the, <laughs> the number one pick? I think it's Jet. I, I don't think it's really much consideration. I think he can play. I, I've talked about this actually. I was on a Twitter Spaces uh, with some Spurs people, and I think Chet's best fit very well could be San Antonio. You have the true. You know, we always hear like, "How's he going to guard Embiid? How's he going to guard this guy?" Pirtle can actually kind of do that. So. What's your next question with that? Like for those people who are like, oh, I can't do this. Ta-da, you just found him a perfect home. So you let him play to all his strengths. And I mean, Greg Popovich coaching Chet Holmgren, a guy who just loves the game and has incredible basketball IQ, seems like a match made in heaven. I'm sorry for the Thunder, though. Yeah, they stay right at four. They don't move up or down. And meanwhile, you have the luck of San Antonio going up seven. It brings up the conversation we have almost weekly right now, of just the likelihood of being at pick four for the thunder and what does that mean if you do get consistent stop three do you just take jay nivy and figure it out now you've done a really good job to this point uh, i'm gonna pat you on the back of talking me into jay nivy because i started out before you and i got together of just like i don't know how this fits i wouldn't want jay nivy i just trade down i'd do something else but the more you've talked about about jay nivy and we're going to get into his podcast it's just all about jay nivy but what would it be at pick four? Would it be Jaden Ivey? Or do you see them going AJ Griffin, who's a player that a lot of Thunder fans like right now uh, for that pick? What would you do if you're Sam Presti at pick four? Yeah, I'd still, I, I think, I think Jaden Ivey fits well there. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was us. We talked about on this one where it's like, you know, the three guard lineup, only a few teams can actually pull that off successfully with three true slashing kind of shoot first guys. Uh, not that like, or sorry, Josh Giddy isn't shoot first. And neither really is SGA, but like, you know, the balance is like, you want him to score a little bit more than play make. The same thing is kind of true of Jaden Ivey. I'd rather him be scoring. Giddy can be that true facilitator, but you look at their size. Um, Orlando, for example, can't pull this off because Jaden Ivey is around 6'3", 6'4". Jalen Suggs is 6'4", Markel Fultz is 6'4", goal Anthony 6'2", 6'3". They can never pull that off. Oklahoma City, though, having a 6'9 point guard, 6', what is SGA, 6'5", give or take an inch, 6'6", give or take an inch. And then Jaden Ivey being the smallest one at 6'4", it actually works, and all their play styles can complement each other since we've seen SGA can at least somewhat, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm horribly off base, but he can play off ball. So I, I don't see how that's a bad fit at all. Yeah, and that's the big thing. SGA played off balls first in Oklahoma City, did it fantastic as the Thunder ran that three-guard lineup of Chris Paul, Dennis Shooter, SGA to close out games. And SGA was awesome off ball. The question is, does he want to do that? And that evolves into a different conversation. Obviously, he had the GQ article saying he wants to be the best point guard of all time. Can't really do that without playing point guard. So we'll, do, we'll just have to see what the preference is for SGA on that front. But 
our next segment is going to be very fun because you're going to get to laugh at me and Richard Stamen. We're going to go back and look at our draft profiles for Trey Mann and Josh Giddy. see what we got right, what we got wrong, and what we wish we could go back and change from a year ago at this time, all coming up on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at betonline.net. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine the, this year's national champion in the coming weeks. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports info from the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is continued to be your source for wagering on sports, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head on over right now to the website, BetOnline.net, where the game starts. And I want to tell you how easy it is, folks. You go to your URL, you type in BetOnline.net, you're going to pop up their sports book. Whenever you do that, you can go down to the basketball tab. Let's bet on the NCAA tournament. You go to NCAA, you go to March Madness. Right now, you're looking at the most outstanding player in the March Madness props. And Richard, who would you pick to, to be the tournament's most outstanding player? You know, I think it's got to be Paolo Boncaro, uh, Duke winning it. So that's that's my bet. And that would be plus 250. I gave the sneaky pick of Remy Martin, who's plus 900. Of course. Or, or Christian Braun, who's plus uh, 2,000. So Christian Brown and then Remy Martin, I think, are two great value picks. Obviously, Richard's not a big Remy Martin fan, but when he drops 30 in the final four and gives his best Mario Chalmers impression to lead Kansas to a national title, we're all going to think differently about Remy Martin. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Your next listen, go check out the Lockdown Now podcast, another recap show of every NBA game from the night before. Richard, we're back. And every year we get geared up for the draft now in Bricktown and we start to look at uh, the series we do. So on Lockdown Thunder, we do a player profile and projection for every single draft prospect. We go through kind of their basic information, and then we go through kind of what their strengths and weaknesses are and where they fit with the Thunder and kind of what their role is. And I have my sheet up on both Josh Giddy and Trey Mann. You do as well. Oh, goodness. You were shaking your head before the break, and I'm just oh, I'm just heartbroken on what, what went through my mind for these two young players. But, Richard, let's start with the fans making fun of us. What did you get the most wrong in your evaluation? So 
I, I actually, I'll take a victory lap first because uh, I'd rather start on the high note. I got Trey Mann right, I think. I put him as 10th overall on my board. Like, I, I pegged his skill set. Like, I, I will very much boast on that. What I got wrong was everything else about Giddy. Like, my scouting report, I think, was pretty good. I just horribly over-evaluated, uh, or sorry, over-emphasized things like he's not a great athlete. He has short arms, turnovers. Uh, I don't know if he'll, if he'll finish against bigs very well and, like, his shooting and all that and defense. I thought all of that stuff would matter, but when you're 6'9", like, a lot of it gets negated. And when you have a ridiculous basketball IQ, uh, again, a lot of it gets negated. So trying to learn from my my mistakes going forward. But, yeah, go ahead and clown me because I had him number 18 in, on my board, and that is nowhere near close. My clownage comes at Trey Mann, who I had uh, 30 on my board, which was obviously uh, terrible. However – Hold on. Hold on. However, no. though – that wasn't uncommon. Most most people on draft Twitter actually had him second round. So, like, let's be real. That's actually not bad. I was way too high, I thought. So, go on, though. I appreciate the moral support. I did I did kind of peg his NBA ceiling, I think. I, I, and we can start with this. I think that the tippity-top ceiling for a trade man would be a CJ McCollum type of player. And his realistic ceiling would be a six-man-of-the-year perennially and then his floor is a 10th man i think that that's pretty accurate for his ceiling what do you think that trey man's ceiling is back then and now yeah so i'm i'm gonna have to pull up his stats uh actually do you have him up right now to save me a second uh for his rookie season so far yeah so yeah. what i had i'll let you as i'm talking i'll let you pull him up but my high end I, I do the way i do my scouting reports is i do kind of like a middle low high end and i do expected role unplayable like the worst case scenario and exceeds expectations if uh scenario it's basically just a giant what if on all three but uh the expected role is you know starting guard pick and roll shot creation and deep range um the the ceiling though that i put was if the jump shot is consistently near 40 percent from three and the struggles the turnovers drop from college um uh, he's going to be a really strong three level score what's he shooting from three this year from three, he's shooting 36%. Yeah, that's going up. So I actually don't – I don't think he's anywhere near a ceiling. Like, I mean, that, that number could very well – most guys don't peak their rookie year. So I would assume that number is going up. And just one turnover per game, obviously, before the hamstring injury, uh, he was doing a lot more uh, – getting a lot more usage down the stretch with the injury. So I think that, that with Trey Mann, my, my big board is wrong, but my ceiling and floor of him was pretty accurate that, you know, he could be a CJ McCollum type of – You'll all-star a couple of years, uh, but more likely going to be a perennial six-man of the year. And then he's obviously going to have a spot in a rotation and, and kind of be in a, a very important player moving forward. So I think that with Trey Mann, the, the spots might be a bit wacky, you know, 10 to 30. But in general, we kind of uh, pegged him right. We just kind of had it wrong on, on our board, so to say. So I'm interested in that. I, I will say I've been – more impressed with his uh you know finishing at the rim than i was that was one of my biggest knocks on him uh, coming into the coming into the draft and into the year he obviously has those fantastic dunks that are going to be highlighted everywhere but i think that you saw some signs that he could get a lot better in that area at the rim this year though he shot 48 percent uh, going back to his college numbers i think it was like what 46 or something like that to be uh fairly low at, at the rim so We'll see. We'll see how who's in the 45th percentile at the rim in college. Uh, so it was really bad in college. He's obviously trending upwards in that way. But Josh Giddy is where I find to be the most interesting for the Thunder because on my board, I had him 12. 
which I think at the time was not like crazy to have Matt picked. That was the norm. That was probably the consensus spot. And my strengths and weaknesses, my, my only weaknesses was that he cannot hit shots off the dribble. He would need to overhaul his shooting mechanics this summer, which he admitted to this season. He said that this summer he's going to change his jump shot. And I said that he struggles to play on ball defense. That was my weaknesses about Josh Gidding. I think that that's fairly accurate. I think that that's kind of what he struggles to do at this point. Uh, and he's not a great shooter. He's a change his jump shot and he struggles to play uh, on ball defense. His defense was a little bit better than I thought it would be, but still has a long ways to go. Although the Thunder have a reputation, so to say, of uh, improving defense. Yeah. And for me, the defense was the biggest issue. I had, you know, he has weak hips on defense. He can't really turn his hips very well. He's often out of stance. Um, you know, he's just not that athletic in the short arms. I thought that horrible combination would make him such a glaring defender, but it's funny in my, like the way I argue for other current NBA players that have those same descriptions, uh, like Trey, Trey Young, for example, there are so many times I'm like, who cares if his defense is terrible? He's great offensively. And for whatever reason, I just didn't apply that logic to Josh Giddy. Um, because on my strengths, I put, you know, he has great feel for the game. The cutting shows a lot of it. Uh, really, he knows where to be on defense. The pick and roll feel is just unbelievable how he uses screens. He has a tight handle. He has great rebounding, the vision. And I was like, no, but, you know, the defense is pretty bad. So I don't know what I was thinking with that. It was just a bit miscalculation on my end. But, yeah, that, that was a big miss on the defense for me. Yeah, I think that the defense for me weighed him way down. And also I'm always scared to have to reinvent a jump shot. But the strengths, again, we were on the same page. Great playmaker, plus-plus vision, plus-plus passing on the pocket passes, chest passes, bounce passes, outlet passes, every pass you can make. Great rebounder for his size. Uh, he's a nice team defender, I thought, uh, but not an on-ball defender individually in an ISO situation, which you're going to see more of in the NBA. And then I, I loved his rim finishing, which has been proving to be great this year at the rim with those floaters that he has. And then I, I did love that his pace and able to control the game as a leader at 18 was massive. What I think I got the most wrong about Josh Giddy was his ceiling and his floor. I put his tippity stop top ceiling at six men of the year. And there were a few comments on that podcast that were saying that Josh Giddy could be the next Luka Doncic. Now is he going to be the next Luka? No, obviously not. No one's going to be the next Luka. That's insane. However, is it going to be better than a six man? I would say so. What, what do you have your ceiling at for Josh Giddy, And how would you change it now? Having seen a year of him? Yeah. A lot of it came down to the finishing and shooting, um, which I think, really underestimated a lot of what he said. So I'll kind of just read the same thing that I read on my last one. So the expected role I put as a starting point guard that serves as a floor general, which by the way, like this is square one of where I got it wrong. Like a floor general starting point guard in the NBA is a top probably 12 player from their draft, no matter what the draft is, even in the 2021 draft or in like the 2001 draft, like, or the 2000 draft, like not, it is a very, very safe, outcome and i don't know what i was thinking to have him so low but uh the floor i was like oh his lack of jump shooting athleticism and defense makes him difficult to play in the nba whatever like if that happens uh his basketball iq can you know outweigh his lack of scoring and you know he may not be able to earn minutes but the top end was pretty much if his jump shooting develops and he had a lethal scoop shot in australia which i don't know uh how much have you seen that in the nba because that was something i was like if he gets a lethal weapon uh, he'll never be a, at worst. He'll be like an average finisher at the rim, which is good. You know, he's pulled out that floater a ton more than a scoop shot, but we have seen instances of that scoop shot in the NBA. And it's always, of course, reminiscent of SGA, who also utilizes that scoop shot at a high clip. And, and that's kind of his go-to move around the rim, which he's so great at finishing around the rim. So we have seen it some in the, 
you know, the NBA with the Thunder, but it's typically been that floater that's been his go-to move. Gotcha. Yeah, that 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 scoop is what I, I mean. I still kind of think that'll be a big thing for him if he can learn from SGA. But uh, I don't know if that's. I think I miscalculated there. I don't think that's exactly what it would be. Really, the three-point percentage I think would do wonders uh, because I mean, let's be real. The passing and floor general status are already at ceiling level, and it's and it's something where it's like sure he could get better, but that's pretty much going to be ironing out his ceiling more than getting to a ceiling. And you and I are both big Jeremiah Robinson Earl fans and Aaron Wiggins fans, but you know, they kind of are what they are at this point. We're talking about Josh Giddy and Trey Mann right now, because I want to pose the question, having studied them before the draft, having watched them for a full season, did the, did the Thunder find a blue chip player in the 2021 class? You know, um, I do think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be, he is going to stick. Um, who was the other guy they got in the second round again? I know they had Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins. It was Wiggins. I couldn't remember if he was undrafted. Hey, I mean, the fact that I think they hit on four players really means a lot. I think Giddy's going to be – he's got the potential to be a cornerstone. Honestly, if I could – I would flip at this point who I would have as being better between him and Trey Mann, Giddy and Mann, excuse me. But did they get necessarily a franchise changer? Tough to say. I think it depends on what happens in the next draft. I think he's a – uh, I think Giddy is a ceiling racer more than a floor racer. So it's really hard to say, like, you know, definitively right now when the Thunder are the fourth worst team in the NBA. So it's hard to say, but I think at the least they found four starting level or rotation players in this draft, which is very high praise. And that's almost impossible in this era. Now, I do want to ask you a question from our mailbag on Wednesday. Having watched their rookie season at this point right now, is Josh Giddy or Jalen Green the better prospect? Uh, first of all, how dare you ask me such a difficult question? Um, you know, it's hard. It's the hardest part about this for me is Jalen Green's on a tear right now. As we're recording this, this is Thursday. Like he is, he just came off a, I want to say it's like a 30 point game. Yeah, I know he's been on fire. That's, that's all I know. And like, since the all-star break, he's averaging, uh, just an absurd number. He's putting out 30 points a game, and he's averaging 20 points a game since he also bring on 47%. Jalen Green, I think, had the absolute highest ceiling in the draft. So the fact that he is kind of hitting makes me want to say him. But it's also hard because when was the last time Josh Giddy played? Like, if Josh Giddy was playing right now, let's be real, he'd probably be putting out crazy numbers too. If you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say Jalen Green because the athletic three-level scoring upside guy probably takes the cake every time. But it's nothing against Giddy. I, I think... I think on a very real level, if they're going against each other, Giddy could manipulate Green a lot more than Green could manipulate Giddy for whatever that's worth. I love it. Yeah, that was a tough one for me to answer to on Wednesday. And you know how much I love Jalen Green last year's draft class. Yeah, that was, that was part of why I was scared to answer this. <laughs> yeah, so it was, a, it was a very interesting topic on Wednesday. You can go back and listen to it. But coming up, let's preview the final four featuring my Kansas Jayhawks. But first, I want to say right now, our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. Built Bar is fantastic, covered in 100% real chocolate on the outside, and even have a puffs option, which is 100% marshmallowy goodness with chocolate on the outside. Low calorie, high protein. Uh, it's awesome for you on no matter what diet you're on. It's great pre workout, post workout as a meal replacement or a snack. Most built bars have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Richard, 
today. What Built Bar are you grabbing of all their delicious flavors? You know, while you were doing this, I was this close to standing up because the word Built Bar stood out. And I swear this is not like, you know, some scripted thing or anything what I'm about to say. But I, uh, I'm going to the gym after this and I was getting a little bit hungry. And I was going, I wasn't sure how much time I had, so I didn't do it. But there's a cookies and cream built bar in my pantry right now that I'm getting right after this. You heard it here first. I had no idea he had built bars on deck. I do as well. Now, here's the secret, Richard. Mine are in the fridge. That's a life hack for you. As we start to get in these hot months, well, pop those bad boys in the fridge to see if you don't like it more. But I love cookies and cream. It's my go-to as well. You can get some too, built.com. Promo code LOCK15, 15, 15% off of your next order. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Joining me is Richard Stamen. You can follow him on Twitter at MazDraft. And for your next listen, go check out the Lockdown NBA Podcast, a recap show in 30 minutes or less of every story around the association. Richard, it's Final Four time. And the Jayhawks made it there. Granted, with one of the weakest paths I've ever seen, only having to beat Texas Southern and then Creighton and then Providence and then Miami, but still they made it there with this final four. I'm going to start the conversation with Remy Martin because it's obviously somebody that you hate and that you hope never plays basketball again. Uh, but Remy Martin, <laughs> Remy <What>? Martin, <laughs> if he has a really good final four, can he be solidified as a draftable player? Look, I, I, Want to say yes, because GMs only care about March Madness uh, sometimes in the second round, but he's a fifth-year guy who's still averaging nine points a game on 46% shooting. I don't think so. Um, I, and he's six foot also. That's important to, to note. I, I don't think so. But how, I cannot, I'm scared for what else you're about to put in my mouth because those are words I did not say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk Final Four. You mentioned that the executives only care about the March Madness period, and now it's the biggest stage in New Orleans. Sticking on Kansas, Okai, Okai Baji. He's an older player, been around a long time, having his best season ever right now. If you're the Thunder at pick 15, is that a player that you would invest in? Is that too high? Is it more pick 30? And also, in general, would you invest in him if you're the Thunder, or would you go with somebody who has higher perceived upside? Uh, yeah, I'd love him in Oklahoma City, especially at 15. You know, starting on the mocks, we're starting to see these guys, um, you know, the big dogs such as Athletic, Bleacher Report, and ESPN. I think all three of them have him in their lottery. So where there's smoke, there's fire. He's definitely getting the buzz when you do well in March Madness. And you've been a 40-plus percent shooter all year, having the best free throw percentage of your career. You're going to get a lot of that. Um, There's a lot to like with him in Oklahoma City, being the fact that a great shooter who has no dip, no hesitation uh, in his jump shot, and then he's a beautiful cutter. Just imagine that next to Josh Giddy. Like, that's a beautiful fit for me. And I think he starts potentially, depending on, you know, I don't know exactly what the roster turnover will be, but in theory, he's starting level. Look, your big board spans hundreds and hundreds of players. I want to get out of the way and let's start with game one. Preview game one, Nova versus Kansas, and tell us as let's just say there's NBA fans listening that do not like college, hate college basketball, don't want to watch the Final Four, rather watch the NBA games, why should they watch, though, especially for a team like the Thunder who are going to be so heavily involved in the draft? What are the names to watch against for Villanova and for Kansas in game one? Yeah, well, if you're an NBA fan that, you know, if you're like me, I mean, I don't like watching college basketball live unless I'm at the games personally. Um, so I feel you. 
but there is no NBA on Monday. So you kind of have to, you're, this is your problem now, but uh, if you can put up with the excessive refs whistling, um, the whistles, excuse me, uh, the refs do not just whistle in the meantime, but uh, the two guys in that game, there's no one on Villanova uh, that's an NBA prospect, maybe Colin Gillespie, but he's probably Euro guard. The two guys are Kansas's Oche Baji, like we were talking about, the shooter cutter athlete potential on defense. Uh, and then Christian Brown, who he's, he's interesting. He's six, seven, give or take uh, an inch. He's, he's really tall. That's all I know. I've seen him up close and a uh, good athlete. The jump shot is nice. The tools are good. The size, shooting, and cutting ability and athleticism are nice. However, watch for his tunnel vision. He, when he gets his sights set on the rim, he definitely is not going to pass out of that. Like he loves taking the shot he sees. He goes, oh man, there's an opportunity. Three people step in front. He's like, well, I already made my mind up. So that's what you got to watch with him. Uh, I think he's pretty capable elsewhere. Uh, again, the tools are what you're investing in, but the decision-making kind of needs to improve. Who wins that game, Kansas versus Nova? Uh, I'd say Kansas by double digits. The Justin Moore injury. Uh, he was a borderline prospect being a shooter at like 6'7", but I, I just I can't see them doing it. it. The best argument I've heard is they rally around the injury and you know they try and win for him, but it's just unlikely. They're overmatched. And then Duke against UNC, first time ever they've been in the tournament together and in the Final Four playing each other. What to watch for in that game on Saturday? Yeah, so there's obviously the Coach K narratives, but from an NBA draft perspective, Duke has about five, maybe six guys, if we're being really generous, that could be drafted. One way or another, the whole starting five will play in the NBA. Uh, uh, Jeremy Roach, excuse me, is the guy who could be that sixth guy. He started in the tournament and really turned the gear on, but Trevor Keels is a little bit underrated. He has a little baby Lowry in him. Probably could be a second-round pick uh, at this point because he did get benched at the end of the season, or relegated to the bench, I should say. Um, but he's still very capable. The jump shot will be good. Um, but Paolo Boncaro, potential number one pick. You probably heard all about him. Watch Mark Williams on how he defends the perimeter. I'm interested to see how North Carolina brings him out. But there's a good chance he guards Armando Baycott. You know, if not, they may trade my they might try and put him on uh Brady Manick, who's a stretch five for North Carolina. And Brady Manick, of course, is a soft spot, soft spot in Oklahoma. Does he have any NBA hopeful, any NBA chance? Probably not. Um, he's a good shooter, but like when you're 6'10 and you or 6'11, whatever size, he might be almost seven foot. But when you're that size and you offer really nothing else besides shooting and the shooting's only like above average, it's really hard to make the league. But he'll, be, he'll have a nice career in Europe. I want to say that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong. When I say that, that's still high praise. Um, Playing in Europe, I don't think a lot of people realize just how good these European leagues are. They're better than they were even just three years ago. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games four, five, and six in the NBA finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick and roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Who wins that battle, UNC Duke in the Final Four to go play my Jayhawks on uh, on Monday? You know, I, I really do want to say North Carolina gets there. I I think they also kind of had an easy path. I think Duke gets there. and The Hollywood ending is going to happen. I, I think it's very likely. So you're picking Duke over Kansas? Yes. That would just rip my heart out. I mean, that would just rip my heart out. Richard, follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Any final words that don't involve Kansas losing? Uh, yeah, whatever I say here is going to be used against me. So <laughs> if it absolutely is. Seven, which actually, wait, can we just can we just rewind real quick to 2021? Because all last year, remember how I said about Evan Mobley? I'm like, he's a wing in a big's body. And you go, oh, and I, and I said, like, you know, kind of think Kevin Durant, how he's a big, like his measurables are big, but he's not a big man. And the whole time I was, all that was said was, oh yeah, Richard thinks he's uh, Evan Mobley is Kevin Durant, which I never said, but maybe I might take that back. Maybe I did say those words. <laughs> yeah, you should be claiming that take. Also, <laughs> you did say those words. I have the clip of you saying them. But hey, if, you know what? If you want to, if you want to edit it in right now, go ahead. <laughs> but I think that a lot of people stole that take from you because I've seen it out there now a bunch with Evan Mobley. So Richard Stamen, follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. He'll be back next week to talk about the end of March Madness. And then we're going to get into some Player Pacific podcast talking all about individual prospects. So until then, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 